want to welcome all those by way of television here from all of it, United Methodist Church here in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. We've a very interesting week, a number of situations. We had a massive heart attack on one of our parishioners who took care of running the camera for quite a while. Also, my brother-in-law is at home with the Lord, and we're going to be having his service here on Tuesday. Tuesday at visitation at 10 o'clock and funeral service at 11 o'clock and burial at 2. Scott considered this his church, even though he lived quite a ways from here, and he would frequently come and very conspicuously like to sit at the back of the church. Had a massive stroke about a year ago, a year ago Memorial Day weekend approximately, and was unable to talk, walk, you know, express himself. Tina, you may sit on, on mic. He's getting a length. He's getting to come front and form this morning, I'm sure. Crackling, popping. So I kind of expect that some of the target employers he plays. Again, we want to welcome you, and maybe you're lucky if it's going through a turbulent storm. We're going to be talking about in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus calms the storms in your life, and it may be a medical condition, it could be a financial condition, it could be whatever condition you can possibly imagine, but Jesus is abundantly able to come. And it's not because of Randy Tabor, it's not because of you or I, it's because of the Word of God. Word of God, we just had a wonderful, wonderful long Sunday school class. We always have wonderful Sunday school classes from 9 to 10, and we encourage you to come. Even if those by way of have a worship service that they need to get to at their church, you know, at 10 o'clock, they can come for our 9 o'clock Bible study. Our worship service certainly at 10. There's a number of events that are going on future round. I trust that you keep in prayer. They're doing quite well. Praise the Lord for that. We thank Robin Childcare, who has increased their support here at all of United Methodist Church. We need not only prayer support, but we need financial support too to make sure that we can get this to those who are shut-ins and by way of television. Just a small percentage of those who listen to us by way of television support us financially. And Jesus said, as we've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, we've done it unto Jesus. So we want to support those by way of television who are unable to come to us because of circumstances. COVID is something that probably, regardless of what side you stand on, it's a, it's a it's an interesting situation that we need to deal with. So, again, we want to thank you for joining us by way of television. We really don't have anything particularly planned. We have a bulletin. We have bulletins, and we send bulletins out. But we try to go according to the leading of the Spirit. Feel led at this time. Here in our bulletins, many of you have been sitting for a period of time. And if you would turn with me in your bulletins to our opening hymn, Ask ye what great thing I know, purple, number 163. Would you join me in the singing as the praise team comes and we prepare for opening hymn, Ask ye what great thing I know, purple, number 163. Would you please stand?
have Dr. Joel Thompson please come forward, and if, if Kathy and Chris would stay, and just then Marie, anybody else that would like to come forward and lay hands on Dr. Joel Thompson, and maybe um, Dr. Thompson could share with us what the ordeal that you're going to be going through. We're going to have him sharing more fluently in a few Sundays. He is a former ER doc and he's had some real tremendous out of body experiences. Hallelujah. If you want to come and lay hands on the good doctor here, and I'm going to stay in the pulpit and extend my hand if those who choose not to come forward extend their hand in prayer. Father, we just lay hands according to the book of James. If there's any among us that it's in the need of prayer, we just extend our hands in prayer for Dr. Joel Thompson. We pray for those by way of television as they listen to this service on Monday. Be in prayer for Dr. Joel, just a fine Christian man, and we know the capability of Dr. King. He did my micro valve heart and, and my body, and he's just such a capable man. And whomever may be doing the surgery, we, we just pray that you guide their hands. We pray for a restful night's sleep the night before as you as it prepares, and we just pray, Father, that you speak to the surgeons and caregivers. We just pray also for Joel's wife, that she's experiencing some health challenges too, and we just pray that you bless this lovely couple who have dedicated their lives to healing and health and care, and we, we pray that you touch Joel from the top of his head, just anoint him with your spirit from top of his head to the soles of his feet with your 
wonder-working power. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 I was going to have him share a week from today at the bikers' gathering, but he's going to be going through that ordeal for like a number of hours, and he's going to, you're going to need him in prayer for quite some time. Amen. And Marie can almost actually see through your body. So, bless you. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. And David, maybe later on in the service, do you feel comfortable? Want to share your testimony? Okay. I'll let you kind of gather your thoughts because I just asked you now. I wanted to talk to you earlier. But let's end a word in prayer. And I'll call on David too. You may be seated. Father, this morning we just want to thank you for the great privilege of having Sunday school and the mighty wisdom and teaching of Pastor Ira. We just pray, Father, for those who are by way of television that, that you would grant them a biblical understanding of our culture, that we may not be led of the world, a worldview, but more of a Christian view. We pray, Father, for our service today as we prepare for next Sunday. Next Sunday, the blessing of the bikes as cyclists come and join us. Those by way of television may want to come and just look at the motorcycles or, and, and want their cycle blessed or their bicycle or any means of transportation. We thank you for the privilege that we can have to reach out. Pray for our administrative board meeting and plans and meeting immediately following our worship service. I pray for this coming Tuesday that you would give me the words to share at my brother-in-law's funeral, Scott Hassel. We thank you, Father, for his, his testimony, his love of Jesus and his love of the church and his love of my wife and, and tremendous close family. And we just pray, Father, that that service on on Tuesday, the 10 o'clock, um, 10 o'clock visitation and 11 o'clock worship service would be uh, just God honoring and just Christ saving. It would touch the hearts and minds of people. We just pray, Father, that you would give me words to share. We give this service over to you and we ask, Lord, that you would, would speak to us that are we in jeopardy? Um, we see it, our country in, in jeopardy. We see the world in jeopardy. We, we know that as things seem to be falling apart, they're falling into place according to the Word of God as we sense God knocking on the doors of our hearts, knocking on the rapture of the church, the Christians are going to be spared the ordeals of tribulation. We, we stand on the promises that you have in your Word. And the greatest promises of of your word, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, as Mike comes and prepares to um, share with us, um, if you don't have a Bible, um, do let us know and we can make sure that you are provided with a Bible. But if you're here at all of it, United Methodist Church today, our scripture reading is taken from 
Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 and following. This um, passage of scripture has been one that's touched my heart um, way before I led a group over to Israel and when I had an opportunity to be on the shores of Lake late here, realize that there's many storms that Jesus calms in our lives, storms that we may not even realize, the many times that we walk and talk, and he calms us, and we need a calming in, in the world that you and I we live in today. So reading now from Luke chapter 8, verses 22 and following, one day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. And a windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filled with water, and they were in danger. Do you ever feel a little overwhelmed in storms of life? Do you ever feel your lives are in danger? The disciples felt that way at this time. And they went to Jesus and they woke him. Woke him up. Shouting. Shouting. Master. Master, we are perishing. We all need to come to that point in our lives where we cry out, Master, Master, we are perishing. And Jesus woke up and he rebuked the wind. Right? problem that was current at the time and the raging waves, they ceased and there was a calm and he said to them where is your faith? And they were afraid and they were amazed and he, and he said to one another who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water. And they obey him. Meaning you and I be blessed with that obedience also. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word today. Thank you. Good morning, brothers and sisters. First thing in our passage today, Jesus was getting into a boat with three of his disciples. Jesus is and knows the way. So I'm going to the other side was just kind of a direct command to him for disciples. Now there's an excellent chance, this is a well known, but there's an excellent chance that the boat they got into was one of uh, Peter's fishing boats. At that part of Galilee, the water they had across, the lake was only five, about five miles wide. So they didn't have a long way to go. And after they got underway, Jesus fell asleep. He took a nap. He is busy. So you're in, in our passage today. The disciples that were in the boat got to see both sides of Jesus, both his humanity and his and his deity aspects. The napping showed his humanity. He got tired. He was a very busy person. So he got tired and fell asleep. But later on, they got to see his deity. I still find it kind of interesting, like you say, 
he was so at peace despite knowing about the storm and the disciple fear. He could take a nap. Talk about peace. After setting sail, a terrible storm came. Realized that the Lake of Galilee is kind of well known for this. But the storm's frosty was so big that the three experienced fishermen on the boat were scared. And driven by fear, they went to wake up the Lord. Their lack of faith was pretty evident here. They were yelling at him, We are perishing! The we they were screaming probably included Jesus Christ in him as well. And Jesus woke up with all this yelling, and they, he didn't just say, Calm down to the winds and the, and the waves, he rebuked them. I think that perhaps he rebuked them because the winds and the, rain and the waves were a result of Satan. Think, oh, finally, here's a chance to go to Jesus and his disciples. So the devil started to storm up to get rid of Jesus and, and, the, and the apostles and their disciples. And uh, the Lord got up and rebuked the waves and the wind. After the wind and the waves calmed down, Jesus asked the three disciples, hey, where's your faith? They didn't have an answer, at least not a good one. And they looked at each other, surprised and disbelief, going, Who is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. And the interesting here, thing here is, is that Jesus asked them, Where is your faith? Personally, this is me now. I believe that worry and concern for things only replace one thing faith. So do you have confident faith? Is your confidence in your faith enough where you don't worry? Probably not. I don't mind it. I wish it was, but we're working on it. Jesus not only knew when he laid down for a nap that the storm was coming, but he, knows, he knew also, like I said, about the three disciples' confused reaction. I'm going to tell you right now, don't ever replace your faith with fear or worry and uncertainty. Make every effort you have in your, in your brain and your body to avoid that. The last thing you want to hear, the last thing I want to hear, is Jesus saying, where's your faith, Mike? Put your name there. Where's your faith? We should always be Following right behind the faith as it leads us to wherever we're going and whatever we experience. It leads and guides us in how to react and where to go and what to do. Fear not is mentioned in the Bible 350 times or thereabouts. Fear not. Why is, why is fear not mentioned over 300, 300 times in the Bible? Because Jesus knows that fear and worry replace faith. That's why it's in there so many times. Jesus does not want us to worry or be afraid. Like I say, as common as that is, we 
still do it. But we should always see them as they are. What is the difference between worry and fear? I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? Worry is a concern that something in the future may happen as a result of something. You're worried about it. It hasn't happened yet. What does that profit you? Not a thing. And fear is the presence of an immediate danger. It's manifest. I, I went through this and I, I kind of thought this off the topic a little bit. God created everything, right? He created Lucifer. More than that, he knew Lucifer would do what he did when he rebelled against God. So why didn't God just take him off? Why didn't he say, oh, I can avoid this and get rid of Lucifer? I thought about it. We started a little bit. And I came to the conclusion, if God had got rid of Lucifer out of anger, what would the, what would the reaction of the angels be? They loved him purely out of respect. But if God would have got rid of Lucifer or Satan beforehand, they would have loved him out of fear because they saw what would happen. So I thought, ooh, that's good. That's why Jesus allowed Satan. So that the, the angels would go bad on him. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, do you feel comfortable? Would you like to share your testimony? You can certainly use the pulpit or the mics, and would you please come to the center? David Brisk, you can remember him by the, the soap, Brisk. Way to go, Mike. Be careful. Are you cracking a few back there? Yeah. That, that, is, that is my nickname, Chris Casey. Oh, what? <laughs> so, um, I'm just going to get right into it here. A few, few weeks ago, it was a few, quite a few weeks ago, I'm struggling at home with faith, and I'm struggling at home Center Minnesota has always been my home. 
Something tell me I had to bring mom to church because church, the Catholic church mom goes to is very important. And it's very important for the son to take the mother. Or be there for the mother. taking this personal, because this is happening in all my hometown, the town I've loved for 30 years. 
tear gas around going off, and I heard all the sirens going off Sunday night, and all the all, all the rioting and that that was going on that night. I, I'm living my nightmare. I'm living my nightmare. Last year during the riots, I was so grateful that I was living on the up on the farm. Because last year riots were got as close to mom and dad's as ten blocks. The riots in Brooklyn Center got as close to and there was gunshots in my neighborhood that night. <clears throat> so anyways, I'm back at home. And I'm watching the news intensively, you know, because I want to see what's going on. You know, I, and um, a couple days later, when they released the picture of that officer that shot that young man, I'm brought back to 17 years ago. 17 years ago, I was done with life. Alcohol controlled my life, and I was done with alcohol controlling my life. I didn't like the father I was being my children. I didn't like not loving the life that I had, that I should. Because everything, nothing mattered back then. That day, though, 17 years ago, I did not love life. All I loved 17 years ago was alcohol. So I checked out. Swallowed everything I could find, swallowed everything that I could find that could poison me. And my mother called the ambulance. The first officer on scene was the woman that shot that young man. And she put her hand on me and made me and convinced me that life was still worth living. There is an answer. There is help. And she convinced me to get in that ambulance. And get help. 17 years later, I'm still sober. <laughs> the order around we have many uh, Roman Catholics we have many Roman Lutherans many Roman United Methodists and Alliance and Baptists that watch our television show and I spell 
Roman, R-O-A-M-I-N-G. And they kind of roam in and they tune in with us. You know, we have an interesting passage of scripture here. Um, this event in our Lord's life, described in these short verses, um, is related to three related three times in the gospel. Now, whenever it's brought up three times in the gospel, you better take it serious. You better make personal application in your life for reasons um, um, above the historical one. It needs to become a personal, personal story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all inspired to um, record it. In this circumstance, should um, teach us the importance of the event and it should make us give the more heed, give the more heed. Now I've been on many a boat and, and have been frightened. I've been on many a plane that's nearly crashed. But um, I've always had the peace that God was going to kind of carry me through. Well, we see firstly in these, um, these verses that our Lord Jesus Christ was really a man. He was really a man. He was really human. He was really human as well as God. And we need to understand that, that Jesus experienced much physical challenges like you and I experience. We, we read that as Jesus sailed over the lake of Gennesaret, this is a turbulent lake, lake of Gennesaret, in his ship with his disciples, he, he fell asleep. Now, I understand sometimes when people can fall asleep during my sermons if they get a little long. And, you know, I accept that. But falling asleep with Jesus... I mean, wow, that must have been, you know, something pretty powerful, you know. Jesus must have felt pretty good about his disciples. Well, we learned, first of all, that sleep, sleep must be all, that we must be aware that sleep is very important. We, we must take advantage of the fact of rest. Sleep, we must be all aware, is one of the most conditions of our natural constitution, our human nature, our as human beings, we realize that angels and spirits um, require neither food nor refreshment, but you and I, we do, we do, and Jesus did. But flesh and blood, to keep up a healthy existence, we must eat, we must drink, and we must sleep. Maybe fortunately not during the worship services. But if the Lord Jesus could be wary, as you know, he put in some real long days, and and Jesus needed rest, he must have had two natures. Two natures in one person, a human nature and a divine nature. Now the truth was before us in full, deep consolation here and encouragement for all these true Christians. The one 
mediator in whom we are bid to trust and has been himself a partaker of flesh and blood. As you and I are partakers of flesh and blood. The mighty high priest who is willing for us at God's right hand and has personal experience of all the sin, sinless infirmities of the body. Jesus himself Jesus himself has hungered and thirst and suffered pain. Jesus himself endured weariness and sought rest in sleep. And let us pour out our hearts before Jesus with, with a sense of freedom. And may we tell Jesus our least troubles without reserves. That's why I think it, as a congregation we bring all our concerns of not only the celebratory acts, but, but all our concerns, and we agree in prayer. He has himself hungered. Jesus himself has thirsted and suffered pain. Jesus himself has endured weariness and sought rest and sleep. And let us pour out our hearts before Jesus with a sense of freedom and tell Jesus the least troubles without reserve. Jesus made atonement. Jesus made it possible that we could be at one with God. Atonement for us on the cross is one who, that scripture says, can be troubled, can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. To be wary of working for God is sinful. For working for God. But to be wary and warned, warned in doing God's work is, is no sin at all. Jesus himself was wary. Jesus himself slept. And we see secondly in these verses what, what fears, what fears and, and anxiety may assault the hearts of true disciples of Christ. And we have an sympathetic and an empathetic ear to our weaknesses and our strengths. We read that when a storm of wind came down on the lake and the boat in which our Lord came down on the lake and the boat in which our Lord was sailing was, was filled with water. Filled with water. And they were in jeopardy. Had you ever been in jeopardy? One of my um, cousins, very talented, selling, you know, on the top of his class at Staples, Minnesota, and only went to um, a few months of his senior year. Went on the, the program Jeopardy and won thousands and thousands of dollars in Jeopardy, Seth Neifert. But there's a jeopardy that you and I face each and every day of our lives. We're pinned down with questions of anxiety and doubt, apprehensions. And just as Jesus was in jeopardy, his companions were, were greatly alarmed. They came to Jesus and they, they awoke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we, we perish. We perish. They had forgot, like many of us 
forget for a moment their master's never failing care for them was in times past. He was so true in times past, and he was going to carry us through in the present. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And they forgot that with Jesus, they must be safe. And they forgot that, that with Jesus, they must be safe, whatever would happen. They forgot everything but the sight and the sense of the present danger, and we so often, at least I do, we operate more by our sense and our feelings than by our faith. And that what suggests our present dilemmas in life. And under the impression of it, could not even wait, could not wait till Christ awoke. It is only too true that sight and sense and feelings make us very poor theologians, very poor Bible students. If we only operate by our sight and our sense and our sense of feeling, facts like these are only and sadly humbling to the, the pride of our human nature. It ought to um, lower our self-conceit and our high thoughts to see what a, a poor creature we are in all that we do in life, even in the best of our estate. But facts like these are deeply instructive. They, they teach us what, the, what to watch for and what to pray against in our own hearts. They, they teach us of what we must make up our minds to find in other Christians. We, we must be moderate, moderate in our expectations of others. We must not suppose that, that others cannot be believers if they sometimes exhibit great weakness or that they have no grace that we see because they see and are sometimes overwhelmed with fears. Like Peter, James, and John could cry out, Master, Master, we perish. Have you called out to Jesus? Those by way of television or radio or Facebook or YouTube, you call out to Jesus. We see thirdly in these verses how great is the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we read that when Jesus' disciples awoke Jesus in the storm, Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the waters and they ceased and, and there is what? Calm. Our nation needs calm. And it begins individually with all of us a sense of calmness. This was no, this no doubt was a mighty miracle, and it needed the power. It needed the power of Jesus, who brought the uh, flood on the earth in the days of Noah, and in due season took it away, and who divided the Red Sea and the River Jordan into two parts, and and made a path for God's promised people through the waters. We need to thank the Jews. We need to thank Israel because it, it was the Jews that we had the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. It's because of the Jews that we have the New Covenant, the New Testament. Jesus was a Jew. We need to stand up 
for the Jews. We need to pray for Israel, the peace of Israel. Amen, Amen brothers and sisters. Who, the, um, it was Jesus, it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who brought the locusts on Egypt by an east wind and by a, a west wind, swept them away. Exodus chapter 10, verses 13 and 19. No power, no power short of this could in a moment turn a storm into calm. To speak to the wind, to speak to the waves in a, in a very common proverb for attempting that which is impossible. But here we see Jesus speaking and at once the winds and the waves, they, they obey. As time comes and as time goes, as Jesus left, as God, Jesus still the storm. In this, it's a, it's a blessed and it's a, it's a comforting um, thought that all this almighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ is engaged on behalf of his believing people. Jesus has undertaken to save every one of them to the uttermost, and Jesus is mighty, mighty to save. The trials of his people are often many and, and often very great. The trials we experience, the devil never ceases to make war against us. The rulers of this world frequently persecute us. The very heads of the church I do say that the very heads of the church who ought to be tender shepherds are often bitterly opposed to the truth as it is in Jesus in the Bible. Yet notwithstanding this, all of this, Christ's people will never be entirely forsaken. Though sorely harassed, we shall not be destroyed. At the darkest time, let true Christians rest in the thought that greater is he that's within us than he that is in the world. We have that promise, that assurance that greater is he that is in us through the Holy Spirit. The winds and the waves of political and ecclesiastical trouble may beat fiercely over us and all hope may be taken away. But still let them not despair. There is one living for them in heaven who can make these winds and these waves to cease in a moment. The true church of which Jesus Christ is ahead shall never perish. He, the glorious head, is almighty and lives forevermore and his believing members shall all live also and reach home safe at last, according to John, the 14th chapter, the 19th verse. And we see lastly, in closing today, we see lastly in these verses how needful it is if, if we as Christians, if we as Christians are to keep our faith ready for use, we need to utilize it. We, we read that our Lord Jesus said to the disciples, when the storm had ceased and their fears had subsided, where is your faith? 
Where is your faith? Well might it be asked the question, where was the profit of believing? Where is the profit in believing if we could not believe in the time of need? If the only time we believe is when things are going well? Where was the real value of faith unless they kept it always as an active exercise? Where was the benefit of trusting if they were to trust their master in sunshine only, but not during the storms? I heard an interesting saying, and I probably had heard it before, but it came to mind in the Bible school class, the Sunday school class today, where the pulpit was not only to um, proclaim the word, but it's the pulpit was to pull people from the pit of hell. I hope that whenever you step up to give a testimony or share something about the church, that your pulpit, whether it be in a church or your pulpit, that you're always trying to pull people from the pit, the pit of hell. Father, this, this morning, the lesson now before us is, is one of deep practical importance. To have true saving faith is one thing. To have that faith always ready for use is quite another. Many receive Christ as their Savior and deliberately commit their souls to Jesus for time and eternity, who yet often find their faith only and sadly failing when something unexpected happens and they are suddenly tried. These things ought not so to be. We, we ought to pray that we may have a, a stock of faith, a reservoir of faith, ready for use at a moment's notice and may never be found unprepared the highest style of Christian is, a, is the care who lives like Moses. Moses said in Hebrews, recorded by Paul, Hebrews chapter 2, 27, seeing him who is invisible. Are we seeing God as invisible? That person will never be greatly shaken by any storm. They will see Jesus near them in the darkest of hour and and blue sky behind the blackest cloud. I pray for my family, and I pray for, for Hope and the Ashenbrenner family and the Hassel family and Brad and Don and those who are experiencing trials and tribulations and death. We pray for this service on Tuesday. We, we pray for this surgery of Dr. Joel Thompson. We pray for his wife. We, we pray for the Reverend George Groves. We pray for those who want to remain anonymous in prayer, the, the stroke victims, the heart attack problems. And Father, you know the needs of those in our audience by way of television. Or, and may we be secure as we, as we say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you, O oh Lord, for your love of me. Please forgive me, O oh Lord, in the sins that I have committed, things that I have done and left undone. 
Come into my heart and life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me never, O oh Lord, to feel in jeopardy, but to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think our offering plates are up front, and I'm just going to circulate those as we as we turn to our offertory prayer, and would you pray this prayer printed in your bulletins, and immediately following the prayer, um, well, there's, there's offering plates in the back. Would you circulate those to Odin at this time? Let us pray. Loving God of both comfort and challenge, we have been blessed to know the feeling of being surrounded in your loving arms like a child. Yet we also know that it's not a place we can stay you send us to be part of the world with all the ugliness, anger, hate, deceit, and betrayals, but not all of the world. You call us to give so that love, compassion, and hope might be set loose. We are not giving as those who are of the world, expecting to receive in the transaction. We give instead out of gratitude for your loving heart, made known to us in Christ. Use us in this way, we pray, in the blessed name of Christ, who by your love overcame death. Amen. Would you join me and remain seated as the ushers come and circulate the plates? Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Purple hymnals, number 127. Purple hymnals, number 127, please. 